What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. Today on the show, we are revisiting some of the most pressing questions from the preseason and seeing what kinds of answers we have to those questions through the first six weeks of the Dolphins 2022 season. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting, co-founder of DraftNetwork.com, and your host here today on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. Today on the show, uh, usually we do the mailbag. Um, Going to circle back to Power to the Pod a little bit later uh, in the week. Wanted to kind of take the th- one-third mark of the season playing 16 games. Now you play 17 total. Hopefully the Dolphins get an 18th when it's all said and done. And maybe a 19th. Uh, that's all still out in front of us. We'll see how the, the rest of the season plays out starting on Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Hard Rock Stadium. When the team honors the 1972 undefeated Super Bowl champion team. But wanted to take this mark in the season and revisit some of the biggest questions that we had with the Miami Dolphins coming into the year because we've had a third of a season's worth of a sample size. For some players, it's been less. Most notably, quarterback to a tongue of a low, it's been less. Uh, for some players, we've gotten the full gambit. For some position groups, uh, everybody's worst nightmares have been realized. It's uh, it's a pretty unique situation uh, to be able to to boast what the Dolphins have at uh, at the wide receiver position, and and that's where we're going to start here today on the show with the wide receiver position in general. And bear in mind, the Dolphins have played half of their games without their starting quarterback. But everybody's questions is statistically speaking, what is the ceiling of the Jalen Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tyree kill combination? Well, your answer is you have two. I believe Waddle is sixth or seventh in the NFL. He's top eight in receiving yards. And then Tyree kill is leading the NFL in receiving yards through six games. Tyree kills 701 yards. He's averaging 116 receiving yards a game. Jalen Waddle, 88.8. They're outliving my projections. I said, no, this is a team that's going to run the ball. They're, they're going to be more balanced. They're going to get the ball into the hands of Mostert and Edmonds and uh, the, this rejuvenated backfield. So I would really expect, you know, that they're, they're a little bit more modest, but they're more explosive and productive with their touches. Well, I was half right. I was also half wrong. Because my projections for both of these guys were 1,100, 1,200 yards. Well, we're halfway to that. We're over halfway in the way of of Tyreek Hill. And we're only a third of the way through the season. This could go down as the single greatest and most productive receiving duo output in Dolphins history. And that includes Duper and Clayton. That's a really exciting place to be, especially when you consider, well, they've played uh, they've had three different quarterbacks start games. Tua Tagovailoa started four. He played three and a half. And then you had Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. 
Owen, each one of those guys has attempted at least 45. Teddy's attempted 60 pass attempts. Skyler attempted 46. Two of 115. Let's hope the next 106, instead of split between the other two guys, are all Tua Tagovailoa, and Tua will have doubled his sample size as a quarterback, if that's the case. And we'll really get our teeth into, okay, well, there's a lot of production for these wide receivers, but how much higher can it go? Um, so that that's a, a net positive. Uh, both of these receivers... Averaging explosive plays, Tyreek Hill, 14 yards per reception, Jalen Waddle, 17.8. That was the part that I was right on, was the per-touch perspective. You were going to get a lot more teeth out of each one of these receptions for these two wide receivers. But I never would have dreamed that Tyreek Hill with 116 yards, and we'll do it, we'll do it with Siri here. What is 116.8 times 17? That, for the record, would be an NFL single-season record for receiving yardage. Siri, what is 533 times... Oh, not a math guy. Siri, what is 88.8 .8 times 17? That would be 1,509.6. It's a lot of receiving yards, guys. And that's, a, that's a great problem to have, especially in the midst of the quarterback. Um lack of continuity that we've had. Uh, another one of the, the talking points offensively was that this uh, this was a do-or-die year for Tua Tungvaloa, and we won't know that for sure until we get to the offseason and we kind of get our ourselves wrapped around where the team is going to go from here. But if it is a do-or-die season for Tua Tungvaloa, from a metrics perspective, maybe not from a true execution perspective, but hopefully as the season goes on and Tua gets back and he gets back in the swing of things, You'll see the execution continue to refine and the comfort continue to grow and the master of the offense arrive. And heck, I, I'd kind of love to see Tua with the same offensive coordinator for two straight years. Wouldn't that be a sight to see? Um, from a metrics perspective, he's still at the tops on a per-game basis. Uh, so, so if this was a do-or-die, kind of answer the bell and, and put it to rest, the three-and-a-half-game sample size that we have, and there's still some boneheaded plays, the second interception against Baltimore and the interception against Cincinnati and the ball that he didn't throw, that he could have thrown on the play that he got injured on. That's um, that's promising stuff. And obviously some of that being piggybacked off of, of the wide receiver production. I uh, want to talk next about the offensive line. Uh, but before we do, our friends over at LinkedIn are going to make sure that you have what you need for every potential new hire because every potential new hire can feel like a high stakes wager on your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. So I have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring talent. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Terms and conditions also apply when evaluating this offensive line. 
the question about the swing tackle situation uh, was a, a valid one. I thought Greg Little started the year well. Uh, he has gotten progressively worse. Now, the silver lining is that Brandon Shell played pretty darn good against the, Green, uh, against the, the Minnesota Vikings. So your hope is that as this season continues, if you need a swing tackle, and hopefully we don't because we're expecting Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson to be back this week against Pittsburgh, and it's kind of the reset, right? But the offensive line in general, I think the players have been as advertised. The players who are question marks are the ones that are problems. Robert Hunt's been very good. He did not play particularly well against Minnesota, but he played okay. And he's been consistently week in and week out, your, your most consistent offensive lineman and an impactful player. Tron Armstead has been a godsend when he's been on the field. Uh, his leadership, his experience, his technique, his level of play. I remember the Dolphins got this kind of discount. They got this kind of discount because there were durability questions. Well, sure enough, they've shown up. How often the Dolphins are going to have to deal with him, I can't tell you. Uh, Austin Jackson continues to be a mystery bag. We'll see what happens when he touches the field and, and gets back on and hopefully can stay on the field. Connor Williams, I know there's some discourse this week as we continue to find things to be angry about and find fingers to point. Uh, Connor Williams with the, the snaps question. Everybody remembers the high snaps in training camp, right? Well, you can go back through six games and Connor Williams has played in all of them. Dolphins have had zero turnovers and zero plays killed as a direct result of a negative snap. Is it consistently on the nose and the face mask of the quarterback? No. But he's also playing center full time for the first time. And he's also snapping the three different quarterbacks that are different heights, who are different statures, who have different cadences. All that stuff goes into the snap, guys. And Connor Williams, athletically, has been very good. And we found out on Thursday Night Football ahead of the Cincinnati game that the Dolphins installed him as the guy who's calling protections. So if you want to make a change on the interior offensive line, it ain't at center. It's at left guard. Because the worst thing you can do is take Connor and put him at left guard and now have a new guy calling protections. When the guy at left guard's the problem. Center ain't the problem. The protections are good. The, the calls of the protections are good. The execution of the, of the protections comes down to the players themselves identifying post-snap. Connor Williams can't hold Liam Eikenberg's hand tell him, hey, the defensive end is going to loop back around inside, so get ready to pass it off. Connor can't do that. And if you move Connor to left guard, guess what? You got a new guy, presumably Michael Dieter, now calling protections. And if the Dolphins felt comfortable with that, they probably would not have gone out this offseason and signed Connor Williams with the immediate intent of playing him at center. So just take Michael Dieter and play him at guard. Oh, the big question with Connor Williams. Oh, the penalties, the penalties, the penalties. Yeah, the penalties aren't a problem for Connor Williams. The athleticism, the screen game, and the outside run game, and climbing to the second level, and anchoring and pass. It's all really good. It's all really good stuff. Has he been perfect? No. Are his snaps perfect? No. Is he a problem? No. You look at the offensive line alone, Greg Little's a bigger problem than Connor Williams' snaps. 
Liam Eikenberg's a bigger problem than Connor Williams' snaps. Teron Armstead's durability is a bigger problem than Connor Williams' snaps. Austin Jackson being a mystery bag and ending up on IR for the last five games is a bigger problem than Connor Williams' snaps. On the offensive line alone, Connor Williams is like our fifth biggest problem. And if you're focused on the snaps, you're not even worried about the, what the biggest issue is with Connor. The fact that he calls protections and he's doing it well. I'm glad to see Connor put that one to bed. Because the, the penalties and can he play center has been a huge problem or huge question marks this summer. Hasn't been a problem. Has it been perfect? No, but it hasn't been a problem. And I think that's an important distinguishment to make because the Dolphins team, this Dolphins team has real problems. Health is a real problem. Discipline is a real problem. We had a first-time coach in Mike McDaniel. Kind of getting a feel for what are we going to get? That was a big question this summer. The passing efficiency has been really good. The aggressiveness has been hit or miss, and I understand some of that comes back to who you have behind center and, and what the menu looks like. And we've had a revolving door. We haven't finished a game with the same quarterback than we've started since Buffalo. Right? The last three games, we've had a different quarterback finish the game than the one that started. It's a problem. I'm sympathetic to that. So that's an incomplete for me. Mike McDaniel, the head coach. I don't think he's had a lot of great challenges. I, I reflect on the end of half against Minnesota. And I was very surprised that they tried to go the full length of the field to go get points with like 30 seconds left, down 7-3. They end up throwing an interception on a ball that kind of hits Jalen Waddle in the chest. Gets popped up in the air and intercepted, and lo and behold, you give up three points. That, to me, was not good coaching. There's been bright spot moments, too. New England, fourth and seven. The plus 40-yard line. Touchdown. Broke the game open before half. I think there's been bright spots coaching defensively. But for all of the questions about Byron Jones, is Byron Jones a problem? Congratulations, you guys hit the lottery. Because the problem, the question was, what are the Dolphins going to do about Byron Jones? Do they have enough at corner? And the answer is, well, no, if, if everybody gets hurt. Well, everybody's gotten hurt. We're at the point now where we're no Igbenogany is going to have to come in and play. Because the Dolphins haven't come out and, and made a lot of moves. Oh, the Dolphins this season, they're giving up uh, 271 passing yards a game and passer rating of 105.9. They've sacked the quarterback 12 times. That's a 5.5% uh, sack rate. Their adjusted yards per attempt against them is 8.69, which is a monstrous number. They've conceded 10 passing touchdowns and have logged one interception. Can't have it. It's got to get better. And some of that's going to be on coaching and how you... The DNA of the team defensively is probably going to have to change. Now, the game script is probably going to have to, like, you got to score some points to Xavier Howard's point this week. You don't win games, you're going to have to score points. You can't be sitting here going in the half in single digits and, and hoping, oh, well, the defense is going to keep holding and we're going to turn it around and we'll chase him down from behind. The DNA of this team is not quite what we thought it would be. And that's okay. 
but that means the important players have to be on the field to execute it. I don't think anybody had questions about the pass rush. It's a bigger question than we thought it would be. And why is that? Well, we've talked a bunch about how the, the coverage shells change the, the formula. It changes the way that you have to play and, and changes how defense uh, opposing offenses have more answers for you. We did have some questions about the linebackers. I don't think the linebackers have been particularly impactful. I'm hopeful we'll continue to see a little bit more of Channing Tindall as we get to the midway point of the season and we continue to ramp him up. He maybe can be a difference maker. But you got to make sure that he's ready. And, and with the Dolphins, I mean, they didn't have a first or second round pick. So your young reinforcements are players that had questions and that's why they were there late on day two or early on day three in the, in the form of Eric Azucano. So I think the, the biggest affirmation of, of the questions we had in the preseason was the Byron Jones corner situation because if you guessed that the Dolphins were going to have four corners go down with season-ending injuries, you hit the lotto. And Byron Jones is maybe not done for the year, but he hasn't played yet. Nick Needham, Achilles, Mackenzie Alexander went down, and Troy Williams went down. It's a big problem, and it was a big question in the preseason. Was, are we concerned about Byron Jones? And the answer at the time was no, he's expected to be back. And then it was no, he's only expecting to miss the first four weeks, so you just got to get through the first three or first four games. Well, the Dolphins did. They were 3-1. They said, okay, Byron Jones is coming back. No, nope, not even practicing yet. Swing tackle is also admittedly a, an affirmed concern from the preseason. But as I reflect on that one, Brandon Shell might be the answer. He certainly played better than Greg Little ever did against Minnesota. Now, he might not have true swing flexibility to play left. But you know who does? Austin Jackson. I would rather, moving forward, swing Austin to left tackle if Teron goes down and play Brandon Shell at right tackle than put Greg Little back in the game. And I am not... I am not a proponent of let's make two positions worse by putting different people at different spots. I, I genuinely hate that IQ, but you have to have the horses to do it. And as we think about the running game and the, the expectation of what we've gotten in the running game versus through six games, we have 487 team rushing yards. We're averaging 3.9 yards a carry. At least it's a respect that we're getting close to a respectable number. It's not a good number yet, but at least it's close to 4.0 yards per carry. I mean, it's 21 rush attempts and 181.2 yards per game. As I reflect on the rushing game, I don't think we have the horses we need in a few key spots. Most notably, the tight end room. That's the big elephant in the room right now. One of the biggest questions we had going all the way back to March was how's Gusecki going to work within the offensive structure? BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game. It's always BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And that is where I'd like to finish today, is the, the question we had in the offseason about Mike Gusecki. Because guess what? 
The answer is not great. At least right now, it's not. And now Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is reporting the Dolphins are are willing are in the mentality that they're willing to field calls as it pertains to Mike. And I understand Mike Isecki is coming off a very big game for the Dolphins. The biggest game that he's had all year. Right? I mean, and the fact that he scored three touchdowns already this season. He scored two against Minnesota. He scored two touchdowns all of last year on 112 targets. He's been targeted 19 times and scored three touchdowns. But I will say this. And I'm fighting some demons here with the voice box, so I appreciate everybody's patience here. I don't think anybody can look at the first six games and come to any level of agreement that Mike Gusecki has a long-term forecast as a member of the Miami Dolphins. He's played 200 snaps through six games. That's 52% of the snaps. As a point of reference, Durham Smythe, has played 58% of the snaps. He's played almost the same amount of snaps as Mike and Durham missed last week. And got laid up with a hamstring late in week five against the Jets. I think this position this offseason is in line for a total overhaul. We'll see what Hunter Long shows the rest of the way. I think he still gives you the best chance to be the kind of player the Dolphins need to run the ball on the edges but he's not there yet, or at least not consistently. And he missed a bunch of time with an injury. He missed about four weeks, three or four weeks. But if you are seriously willing to listen to offers about Mike, I still think that you need to get this done. And that's my personal opinion. I understand you risk losing the ball skills in the red zone. But with Tua's anticipation and the separation of these wide receivers, you've got enough other routes for success in the red zone that you don't need to just throw up high point balls and let Mike go up and get it above the rim. Because at the end of the day, the pecking order for the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill has 719 yards from scrimmage. Jalen Waddell has 550 yards from scrimmage. Raheem Mostert has 373 yards from scrimmage. Averaging 4.4 yards per carry on the season. Chase Edmonds has 185 yards from scrimmage. Mike Gusecki is fifth on the team with 170 yards from scrimmage. Are you really? Is a player who plays 50% of the snaps and, and from a touch perspective or from a yardage perspective is fifth on the team and in targets, you know, he's five targets out of being sixth. In the passing offense, is that a player you have to hold on to? I don't think so. You've got other big body guys. You've got Ezukama who's going to be uncovering. We're, we're trying to make Tanner Connor a thing. I'm not sure that I love that. I'm not sure that I like that. But this team's either going to continue to run through the wide receivers that it is. And by the way, Gusecki is third on the team in targets with 19. Sherfield with 17. Hill is 65 and Waddle's 49. It's not even close. The big question, of course, is what, what would you get? And that's a whole other exploratory, exploratory conversation. But that concern that exists, 
sure enough, has reared its head through the first six weeks. It, it reared its head in the first three games in which you won, let alone the last three in which you've lost. It's going to be a tightrope the rest of the way. But if you if you continue this season on the track that it is on, with Mike specifically, and you get to the end of the year, you won't tag him again because you add 20% to the value that he got this year. So now you're talking like $13.5 million or so, and that's an approximate off the top of my head calculation, and I've told you many times I'm not a math guy. And you don't want to tag him again at that price where people are leery and he's coming off a year with low production and then try and, try and trade him. So if you're going to get anything for Mike, it's now, it's the next 10, 12 days, or it's never. And he'll walk, and you'll probably sign a couple guys in free agency that'll offset that contract loss, and you won't even get a compensatory pick for him. And for me, I don't think he's bringing enough of an impact to the game versus the idea of what we've seen this Dolphins team to be, and you juxtapose that to what we thought they would be and what we thought they wanted to do with running the ball. I don't have a lot of good answers. But I don't know that the Dolphins necessarily do right now either. Do they get as interesting ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reporting the Dolphins are willing to listen to offers right now as the trade deadline looms? And deadline spur action. So think about that with Mike. Think about that as we think about William Jackson over in Washington playing corner. Deadlines spur action. This week can probably come and go, and we probably won't hear a thing about it. But after that, it's crunch time. It's crunch time here on Locked on Dolphins. We got Steelers coming up on Sunday night. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins the rest of the week for everything you need building up to the game. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks for listening and fins up.